Good morning. It's a wonderful morning. Jesus is risen. Oh, you can do better than that. Jesus is risen. Amen. What a good day to come and to celebrate together. And I was thinking this morning, last year, we weren't able to gather like this, to meet in this way. We were doing it on live stream and it was just amazing to sit over there and just to hear the voices singing and hear people emptying their lungs in praise to God. It was just absolutely wonderful. And uh, isn't it great to be able to do that together? Amen. It's wonderful. Today we come and we recognise and we worship and we praise our God for Jesus is alive. We've been looking at this theme called The Road to Restoration over this Easter period from Palm Sunday when Jesus came on the back of a colt, a young donkey, as he entered that city and everybody was praising him and giving him glory for who he was and then less than a week later the same voices that were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And we celebrated on Good Friday and we focused and paused, looked at the cost that Jesus paid for each one of us so that we could come to know him. But today is the climax. This is where it all happens. If it wasn't for this moment, the rest wouldn't matter at all. You see, God is in the business of restoring people back to himself. That whole journey was to restore you and I back to himself Each one of you created in God's image. You've been created to have a relationship with God and made possible because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and because he rose again. The wonderful story of this Easter season is that through Jesus we can be restored to him once more. And it relies on one precious reality, that Jesus rose again. Not that he came, but that he is still alive. He didn't just come to tell us about God. He came to invite us to come to know him. He didn't just come to show us how to live. He came to offer life like we've never experienced before. He didn't just come to suffer. He came to put an end to suffering. He didn't just come to be humiliated and to be put to shame on the cross. He came to restore dignity and to give value and worth to every person. He didn't just come to die on a cross He came to defeat death. That's the part that makes all the difference. Jesus lives. He lives. And that is why we come. That is why we celebrate here today. Not because he lived, not because he came, but because he still lives. He's still alive and at work in us. And because of this, we have hope like never before. That's why today is the pinnacle of our entire year as we pause and we celebrate and we worship God because he is alive. Christians all over the world at different times in this day will pause to give praise to God. More voices will cry out in worship today, probably more than any other day in the year. As Christians gather from all parts of the globe, they will gather together and to lift up our God for he lives And he is right here by his spirit, right now, for all people. I'd like to read a part of the event. Today the event focuses on the fulfilment. Everything comes to pass because of this moment. And in Matthew 28 from verse 1, you can read either in your Bibles or you can follow on screen. 
from Matthew chapter 28 from verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards, they they shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you were looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. But now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met with them and greeted them. Then they ran to him. They grasped his his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. What a wonderful part of this story. And this morning was a little attempt to reenact that in our own way. Mary and Martha came and they announced that good news to the disciples. So this morning we're able to celebrate that our Jesus lives. And it all comes down to the fact that he rose again. It all comes down to the fact that he defeated death and that he is not still in that grave. This morning I'd like to look at this idea because he rose again. What does that actually mean for us today in our lives? Because he rose again, firstly we have this. We have proof of his claims. In Romans 1.4 we read, And Jesus Christ our Lord was shown to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead by means of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was shown to be who he claimed to be because he rose again. Everything before it, some of that was grand. But if it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for the empty tomb, it means nothing. The resurrection was God's proof that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the very son of God. So we don't base our faith on wishful thinking, but on proof. Paul even writes that without the resurrection, all is in vain. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says this, If Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless and your trust in God is useless. If Jesus didn't raise, then what we're doing here means nothing. Your faith in Jesus means nothing. It all rests on the fact that Jesus rose again. The resurrection is the moment in time where Jesus proves that he is who he claimed to be. Now we hear false claims all the time, but watch the news or if you, if you look at the news on your, on your phone, they always have those stories that aren't as important. Um, you know, they're, they're more there for infotainment than anything else. And you often get those stories of, of a sighting, you know, some famous person who was meant to have passed away, um, but they've been seen. Someone has seen them collecting their groceries or their dry cleaning, you know, it's always something like that. Many people have seen and thought to have seen people like Elvis 
He lives. You know, there's a whole band of people who believe that he, he didn't die when people said he did, but that he continued to live on. Many people claim to have seen aliens or flying saucers, let's say. And that seems to be a bit of a hot topic at the moment, I've noticed. Uh, unidentified flying objects, you know, flying around. The problem with so many of these claims is that the evidence and the proof is quite minuscule, if not nothing at all. If not just the claim of the individual. There's no evidence often there or no proof beyond the claim of the person. And so it's very hard to believe. And so with Jesus, is there evidence that we can trust in? You know, when Jesus walked on this earth, he not only claimed that he would heal the sick, he actually helped blind men see and he raised lame people to their feet. He not only claimed to have authority over the earth and the elements and over creation, but, for when, but when he called out for a storm to be still, it stopped and it was silent. He not only claimed to have authority over death, but he raised a young girl who had passed away and he raised Lazarus from the dead, witnessed by countless people. You see, it's one thing to say something, it's another to do it. There's only been one to have claimed that they would die and in their own authority be raised from the dead. And Jesus went to a cross and on the third day he rose again. This was his moment to prove that he was who he said he is. As Jesus rose again, we have proof of his claims. We also have this, we have payment for our sin. I'd like to read Romans from chapter 3, verse 22. Got your Bibles open with me. Romans 3 from verse 22. I'll read this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. But he was looking ahead and including them in what he will do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. You see, because of Jesus' death on the cross, our sins are paid for. Our brokenness. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He, being Jesus, personally carried our sins in, in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. This is the absurd truth of the grace of God that all sin is dealt with, no matter what we have done. Murderers, adulterers, liars, thieves, those who are dishonest, 
No matter who we are, no matter what you have done, you can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Jesus, with faith, with humility, with repentance, covered by his precious blood that he shed on the cross. One of the most moving stories I find in the Gospels is found in the Gospel of Luke. If you've got your Bibles open to Luke 23, from verse 39. Now Jesus is hanging on the cross and two criminals are hanging beside him. And rightly so. We read in verse 39 of Luke 23 that one of the criminals hanging beside him, that is Jesus, you're the Messiah, aren't you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Don't you love that line? Save yourself and while you're doing it, you know, save us too. Get us out of this mess as well. But the other criminal protested. Don't you even fear God when you have been sentenced to die. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied with these words, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Such a simple act of faith by that criminal. Just a few words in the, in the midst of his dying moments. Breaths away from passing into the next life and he uses those wisely to declare Jesus as the Son of God, to place his faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus turns to him and says, you will be with me, you are forgiven. doesn't matter who we are. We find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I often hear of people who, in a similar fashion, in the very last moments of their life and often it takes often it takes that type of situation when we're confronted with death it often takes that for us to think about our lives and an eternal life beyond this i've seen and heard of many people right in their dying moments pausing and saying lord jesus i'm sorry i i should have believed in you sooner but i give my life to you for all that i have left believe in you and many times you see the grace of God pour into them they weep having an experience of the Holy Spirit in the very last moments of their life the grace of God there to cover all sin in all moments no matter what we've done no matter who we are no matter when we cry out to him you see because he rose again we have payment for our sin Because he rose again, we also know this, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't help but go here. We've come from a series looking at the book of Acts and and a big portion of that has been the work of the Holy Spirit in the early believers. Well, it was because Jesus rose again that the very presence of the Holy Spirit came and poured out on the church. It was because he rose again, it was because he ascended back to his father that his Holy Spirit came to empower that early church and to empower us as followers of Jesus. 
If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you can know this. The Holy Spirit will come and live within you. The very Spirit of God and will empower you to live for him. Will give you grace and peace. Give you hope in some of the darkest of seasons. Give you wisdom to live in this life. You see, Jesus promised the disciples before he was killed that he would die and rise again and that he would send his Holy Spirit. So we know this. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we are not alone. A counsellor. So the Holy Spirit is our, our counsellor, our encourager, our, our advocate. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into truth. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. It's the Holy Spirit that comforts us and encourages us in the darkest of times. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and empowers us to live for him in some of the most difficult of moments. In John 14, got your Bibles you might like to open with me. We're looking at a number of verses from a number of the Gospels. And this comes from John 14, from verse 16. This is Jesus' promise to his disciples. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now I will not abandon you as as orphans, I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. What a wonderful promise Jesus gives. That we will receive the Holy Spirit when we place our faith in him. The promise is that he lives in us. He lives within us. Now there are many self-help movements in our world. You can buy countless books on self-motivation. Five tips, three tips, ten tips, twelve this. All of these things, just positive thinking, you could say. As believers in Christ, we have far more than just positive thinking. We have far more than just trying to encourage each other even or ourselves. No, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Not even God just supporting from afar, but from within. God's not on the grandstand just cheering you on. Hey, Sean, go, mate. You're doing a great job down there. Good luck with that foot, but, you know, you go. Go, Sean. (laughs) No, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit will give Sean when he needs the power to get up some stairs and to still anchor. (laughs) When he's depressed, when he's down, when everyone else is running and playing basketball again, which he wants to do, and his spirit is low, the Holy Spirit will encourage him in that. Who's Sean? But it's the same for each one of us, wherever you might be. God's not just cheering you on. He's available to live within you. Within us. Romans 8.11. I love this, this verse, this promise. The Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you so that you may have life. Wrap your mind around that for a moment. The very same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave 
is the one that lives within us. Encourages us. Spurs us on in our life for Jesus and with Jesus. We also have this. Because he rose again, we also have the promise of our own resurrection. It ties into the Holy Spirit. Because who raised Jesus from the dead, we read. It was the Holy Spirit that that rose Jesus from from the grave. We read again in Romans 8.11, that verse continues on. It says, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, because I live, you will also live. And he's not just talking about now. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit in this life to encourage us, to give us the strength to carry on. But we have hope for eternity. We have hope for a life beyond this one. To read from 1 Corinthians, these are some words that I love. They're encouraging for me. I hope they'll encourage you. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 20. This is Paul writing to the the church in Corinth. He says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So he writes this because some people were disputing this. He wants to make it clear, no, Christ has been raised from the dead and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has become through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he returns. You see, we read this, Jesus raised first. So we now know that we will also raise. Imagine, imagine Jesus just came and said this, I have the power over death. And if you place your faith in me, you will also rise from the dead. And then Jesus was crucified and he died and his body was placed in the tomb and that was the end of the story. Would you believe that he has the power to do what he said he could if he can't raise out of the grave? No, you wouldn't believe it. But because Jesus did the impossible, because he said, wait, I'll go first. I'm going to show you. Not only going to tell you, I'm actually going to show you. I'm going to sacrifice my life. It's a penalty for sin, but I'm going to rise again. So you will know that I have power over sin and death. So you know that nothing can hold me down. So that you will know when I say these words to you, that when you die, you will rise again. You know they're true. You see, because Jesus rose again, we have the promise of our own resurrection. He has gone before us to prove the way. He didn't just promise, but he proved the way by going before us to show us that death no longer has the last word. Because he rose again, we have proof and payment for our sin. Because he rose again, we have the very presence of the Holy Spirit and the promise of eternal life. We have the proof. 
We have the means for forgiveness. But here's the thing. Those two things were his, in his hands. He came to show himself and to show us who he was. He proved it by going to the cross and by being risen, by raising from the dead. But the next two are for you to respond to. You see, until you accept Jesus Christ for who he is by faith, you won't know the power of his forgiveness. You won't know the presence of his Holy Spirit living in you. And you won't know the promise of eternal life with him forevermore. Like that criminal that hung on the cross. We all have a moment in our life. Maybe it looks quite different, but we all have a moment where we have a choice. And the choice is to respond to what Jesus has done. That criminal called out and said, Jesus, I believe in you. He was granted eternal life and forgiveness in that very moment. So I wonder this morning, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, will you believe in him? Will you trust him at his word and at his deed? In Romans 10.9, we have this promise. For if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will. This morning, will you place your trust in Jesus? And if you're here this morning and you already have, will you take a step again to say, I continue with him. I continue to place my faith in him. I continue to place my trust in him. I will continue to confess with my mouth that he is the Lord and Saviour of my life. I pray that you will do that here this morning. And I want to do that. Because if you read it says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, there's a power in confessing. There's a power in speaking something out. Often we think something inside. We think it's true. And then we go to say it. And something stops us. Something hinders us. Why is that? The reality is because when we say it, when we declare it, we, we, we give power to that thing. We say, I believe in this to be true. Not just in here, but with my whole being. So this morning, I don't want to ask you just to declare that in your soul or in your, in your heart alone. I want to ask you, and I'm going to invite you to speak it with your mouth. So dust doesn't just linger here for a moment. You don't just go home. You eat a hot cross bun and a few chocolate eggs and it just pushes that away. I want you to leave with the opportunity to speak it out. To go out from this place knowing that you are forgiven, that you have life in Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that by declaring this together. We're going to do that. With the invitation for every single person here, whether you believe in Jesus already or if you would like to, I'm going to ask you to say these words because if you believe in him, this will be easy. If anything, you will be just waiting to say these words. This will be an act of worship to declare this in this place with all these other voices. And if you're doing it for the first time, you get to join the chorus of those who believe in Jesus too. So I want to invite you to stand up. Up on your feet, stretch those legs for a moment, get the blood flowing again.
These are the words we're going to declare together. This is the prayer we're going to pray as one. Have a read first. Have a look at the words. And we're going to just go through this line by line together. This will be our declaration. We live in a world that doesn't believe this. Many people don't. This is our opportunity to stand here today and say this is what we believe. Father, we're declaring this in this place. Will you join me? Do this. Warm up your voice. You don't want to pull anything because you're going to say loud. If you've got water, take a drink. (laughs) Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he lived and walked the earth. I believe that he died for my sin. And I believe that he rose again. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. Amen. Father, I thank you for every single person here today. And as they go, I pray they will know your very real presence, Lord, the presence of your Holy Spirit with them. If they place their faith in you, Lord, I pray that they will go now with a new sense of boldness by your Holy Spirit to go and to live their lives for you, Father, in the reality and in the truth that you are alive and that you live in us. To those who may have said that for the first time, I pray that you just fill them in this place right now. I pray that they will just sense your presence in a way like never before, Father. May they know your grace and your love and your forgiveness, Father. May they just know your presence. For those who are here, who are still exploring, who are not quite ready to take that step, I pray as they go, they will know that you also go with them. And I pray that you may continue to reveal yourself, show yourself in new ways in their life. May they come to place their trust in you too, Lord. So as we go, we go today, Lord. We go praising you. We come, Lord. We lift you up because it's all we can do. (laughs) It's all we can do to praise you and to give you thanks for who you are give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. May all say, Amen.